Good morning, good morning, my lovely, lovely nerds in the audience. It is Nat, Natalie, Naturally Ryan. You know I go by all three, and this is the podcast When Anxious Kids Grow Up, Where Do They Go? So I'm filming another early morning episode. It's just about 9 a.m., woke up at 8, felt semi-okay-ish, but as I've gone on, I've gotten... I've felt better. <laughs> um, I'm far more awake than last episode. Last episode, I posted it and then realized I didn't do an intro, so haha. Haha to me for getting like literally one of the most important parts that happens every episode, but that's okay. It's okay because it's in the past and we're just dealing with that. I just listened to The Man by Taylor Swift, which is an absolute bop. I have loved Taylor since I was about seven years old because... Ooh, actually closer to six, doing basic math, because her 2008, hang on, I'm gonna double check that this came out in 2008, her possible 2008 hit, We Belong, not We Belong Together, that's Mariah Carey, where am I this morning? Am I doing as okay as I thought? It's You Belong With Me, date that it came out, come on Google, release date, that's just the video. Released April 18th, 2009. So I was seven. It was recorded in 2008. Then I was six. That's basic math for you. That's what we're learning today on the show. Um, so anyway, Taylor Swift's 2009 hit, we be- uh, not We Belong Together. That's Mariah Carey. Oh my God. You Belong With Me by Taylor Swift, released in 2009 on her album Fearless, which was not her first album, but it was the one that got me the most hype as a kid. Um, I was listening to The Man. I've gone through a love-hate relationship with Taylor. I wouldn't even say hate, I would just say love and then like not really caring about what she's doing, but I support her wholeheartedly. Like, because I didn't really like the album Reputation, I just didn't like the style musically, it's whatever, it didn't really matter. Um, I didn't really like the song Me with Brendan Urie, I think I listened to it three times willingly and then four times against my will. And there were just other songs where I was just like, okay, like, I'm glad that Taylor's doing this, I'm glad that she's out there living. It's not my cup of tea. And that's just how I accepted it. But I've come to love Taylor again. Um, I heard the song The Man, and I was like, oh my god, I'm... Oh, it's true. And for those of you, I know that the majority of my audience is in fact male, so I'm sorry that I'm going to be trashing men for a minute, but um, I'm a woman, and I've, I've existed in a female body for a hot while. And so I think I have, I mean, no one correct me because I'm not wrong, but I think I have a better understanding of what it's like to be a woman and to be looked down upon by men than men do about ha- like being a woman and looking down upon them. Because many times men say things that they don't realize are problematic. But today's topic, um, it's just going to be like coping mechanisms and anxiety updates and generalized anxiety disorder, which is what I have, because I have not made a dedicated episode to generalized anxiety disorder. I hope that you can hear my beautiful, very mechanical keyboard clacking. We've encountered a new problem. I don't know where I set my coffee. And I... Where the hell? There's only... There's a finite amount of places that this could have gone, and... Next to me has to be an option, right? Where did I... I was just drinking it. 
I'm so afraid of moving around, because, like, what if I knock it over? Oh, never mind, found it. It was in a place that I couldn't knock it over, but I also couldn't see it. This episode's all over the place, and we are, like, four minutes in. Alright, let's keep going. So, generalized anxiety disorder. I was personally, we're gonna go over my story, then we're gonna go over just generalized symptoms, kind of the misconceptions that people have about it, and just work from there. So, generalized anxiety disorder, also called GAD, even though I've never met anyone who just calls it that, it is um, really the blanket term of anxiety. I was diagnosed personally after my hospital stay. Well, being told you're gonna die as a kid will kind of mess you up mentally and emotionally. And so, my pediatrician and all of the doctors who kind of oversaw my stay um, in the hospital with Guillain-Barre syndrome, they were watching me and they were looking for, for signs of mental, mental illness, mental issues. So my generalized anxiety disorder I was not born with, but it was a result of my extreme trauma. Um, there was a 50% chance that by adolescence it would diminish or completely go away. It did not, in fact, do that. Um, I still very much have it because I am anxious <laughs> and I have the diagnosis and I have like good enough reason to believe that I still definitely have this. So generalized anxiety disorder, first of all, it can occur at any age. Many people think that like, I, I don't know, people are just weird about people with anxiety. First of all, I think people misuse the word anxiety a lot. Um, because something can give you a feeling of being anxious. You can, you can be, you can have a little anxiety about a situation. But there's a difference between being a little anxious sometimes, or being nervous to talk to new people, versus a social phobia, or, or social anxiety, or generalized anxiety disorder, where you have no control over the level of anxious you are at any given time. Um, and sometimes it's for rational reasons, and sometimes it's, it's not. And it really does frustrate me when I hear people talk about, oh, I, I have such bad anxiety. And then I'm like, okay, well, like, what do you do for it? And they're like, oh, it doesn't really happen that often. It's just like, when something stressful is going on, I get really anxious. And I'm like, okay, so you're a human that experiences emotions. Good. Taking note of that. This is far more severe. And I feel like people don't understand that. And especially... A lot of times, um, especially in school and especially in like professional like business settings, whenever the topic of mental health would come up, because surprisingly it has quite a bit, not necessarily in the most positive light every time, but it does come up. Um, a lot of the times people, when I say, oh, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, and I leave it at that, and I don't include an age, I don't include a reason, people kind of doubt me. Or they're like, no, you're so high achieving, you couldn't be anxious. Um, and then I say, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder at age six because of a severe traumatic experience. That sentence is one people don't usually question. Um, and I think maybe because it, maybe because it deals with the, not only the complexities, but the very niche and like very specific time in my life when anxiety became an issue. But I don't know. And I, I always think that that's so intrusive is when people don't believe those who are mentally ill based on the fact that they, like, haven't told them their whole life story. It's very disappointing to me. Um, and generalized anxiety disorder, let's, I'm gonna look at some of the actual symptoms. 
Um, just to read them out for, for your guys' knowledge, because I'm, I'm assuming if you're listening to something called When Anxious Kids Grow Up, Where Do They Go? You probably expect anxiety to be, anxiety to be talked about, but I don't know. So, it causes generalized worry, restlessness, trouble with concentration, um, people may need counseling or medications. Usually antidepressants are prescribed because anti-anxiety medication is a very strange beast and it's one that personally I have never taken medications um because when I was diagnosed so young there was no I don't know there was no real point with the fact that it might have it might go away and my parents wanted to just deal with the other like deal with my issues emotionally kind of through parenting as opposed to counseling or medication and now that I'm 18, I am I am glad I didn't start medication sooner. Or like I haven't started medication period, but I'm glad I didn't start it when I was super young and it's it's mainly because like I do now understand why some people don't want to do medication for their mental illness. There's a lot of mental health medication that is really hardcore and not always effective and can sometimes cause even worse issues down the line. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Personally, I think that if you want meds and they're something that you want to do, go for it. I, I think that everyone should see if there is medication that they can take. Because life is so much easier when you're managing your mental illness in a way that hopefully <laughs> will make the effects of mental illness lessen their load on your life. So, generalized anxiety disorder, it does in fact require a medical diagnosis. You can't just read on the internet and then say, I have anxiety. Like, you need a diagnosis. That's what I'm always going to stress. I was a kid on Tumblr and on Pinterest when I was 12 and 14, and I diagnosed myself with depression and paranoia and anxiety, and I did have anxiety, and I figured that out later. Because my diagnosis wasn't always known to me. I wasn't told by my family until I was 13 that I actually had a diagnosis. And it's because I was like, something like genuinely feels wrong in my body, and I don't know what it is. It was the trauma. And the anxiety from the trauma. So, I... Now that I work in a mental health profession, when I know that people are self-diagnosing, I understand it comes from a place of concern, but it also frustrates me, not necessarily because of them, but because it's so normalized to just say that you have something when you don't know if you have it. And I know that America is a horrible example to look at because our, men or like our mental health um, support, it's terrible. It is awful. And then the fact that we don't have universalized healthcare, the fact that we don't really have these options unless you are affluent unless you have money to pay for things. I've never been to therapy and it's because I can't afford it. Even now, me having my own job and paying for school, I could not afford therapy ever. <laughs> like it, it really comes down to my tuition or therapy. And I know that I've dealt with my anxiety for 12 years now. So maybe I can go a little longer dealing with it. Maybe. I don't recommend anyone do that. If you have the means, please go and get yourself a diagnosis. It will make things so much easier. There will even be things that people can explain to you that you don't understand about yourself. And it's it's great when you get that diagnosis. Huh. Let me just get off my soapbox here and get back on the topic. So um, 
This condition is very similar to panic disorders, obsessive compulsive disorder, and other types of anxiety. I mean, generalized anxiety. It's just instead of having a very specific niche fear or a very specific like social phobias and social anxiety, um, you're very fear you're very fearful of how you're perceived and like if people will judge you. And I, I went through a phase in that when I was about 12 and 13, and that's kind of why I found out I had the diagnosis to begin with. Panic disorders, though. Panic disorders are a tad different. And that's why we're gonna Google them. Um, oh yeah, so panic, panic disorder occurs when you experience recurring unexpected panic attacks. Usually the trigger is ridiculously hard to define. Um, and sometimes they'll just show up, they'll just happen. So another thing we're gonna clear up in this podcast is a panic attack versus an anxiety attack because surprisingly enough they are two different things and many people don't know that because they're used interchangeably which again as someone who works in a mental health field how do I feel about that well it sucks because they are different they are very different conditions and they get diagnosed separately so panic attacks come on very suddenly they involve intense and overwhelming fear they're accompanied by frightening physical symptoms like a racing heartbeat, shortness of breath, and nausea. Um, unexpected panic attacks, they occur without an obvious cause. Expected panic attacks are cued by external stressors like phobias. Panic attacks can happen to anyone, but having more than one of these may be a sign of a panic disorder. <laughs> Yikes. Um, Panic and anxiety attacks may feel similar, and they sh- they do overlap a lot, especially in how they affect your physical body. You can experience an anxiety attack and a panic attack at the same time. Um, great. So, here, there's a beautiful little checklist with a bunch of little check marks that I can read out to you. So, anxiety attack, you'll have apprehension and worry for your emotional side of things. You'll also have distress, restlessness, and fear will happen in both an anxiety attack and a panic attack. But those symptoms, those emotions usually don't happen in a panic attack. Panic attacks, I've noticed. I've had both an anxiety attack and a panic attack. I think I've had them at the same time. Not gonna, not, I wouldn't bet my life savings on it, but I would say there's a pretty solid chance. Um, they are different. They feel different. Anxiety attacks are kind of like a slow burn, (laughs) a very painful slow burn. Whereas a panic attack, it's like, it hits you all at once. I remember the first panic attack I remember having was actually in public. And it was because I was at Comic-Con and I panicked about everyone being around me and about being judged by people and just the sheer number of human beings. And I cried. I was sobbing. I was, I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was dying. My heart was racing. I was sweating so much. It was disgusting. And I genuinely thought I was going to die then. So here's what is just exclusive to a panic attack. Um, Fear of dying or losing control, a sense of detachment, derealization, or depersonalization. So that means derealization is you feel detached from the world. It almost feels like reality doesn't exist or you're kind of living in a movie. Um, Depersonalization, it feels like you're outside of your body. Depersonalization is a very scary thing because it kind of feels like, for me at least, when I've had episodes of depersonalization, Um, It's felt like I'm watching myself from a separate camera angle. Like I can see what my body's doing in space. It it feels like a controlled out-of-body experience, except you know that you don't have control over it. So it's it's really weird. Um, And now here's what happens in both of them. The physical symptoms are identical, which really sucks. Um, Heart palpitations, accelerated heart rate, chest pain, shortness of breath, tightness in the throat, or feeling like you're choking, dry mouth, sweating, chills or hot flashes, 
trembling or shaking, numbness or tingling, nausea, abdominal pain or upset stomach, headache, faint or feeling dizzy. Now that we've covered that, I want you to remember the tingling sensation in the extremities. If for those of you lovely people who watched my first episode where I talked about my autoimmune disease, what was the first thing I noticed when I was dying? Um, if you answered with tingling in the extremities, you're right. So yeah, it does suck that anxiety attacks and panic attacks have the same physical symptom that I noticed when I was actually dying. You know why that sucks? Because I'll notice it and then I have a panic attack or an anxiety attack, depending on how the day is going, over the fact that it feels like my autoimmune disease is coming back because I can relapse and it can come back. So isn't that just great? It's just this terrible cycle of pain and of being really scared. So now, let's get on to the real portion of today's episode. The coping mechanisms, because that's what we're talking about. Um, coping mechanisms, for me personally, we're gonna do my personal stuff, then we're gonna talk about other people's stuff. For me, when I get anxious, so first of all, I'm a working hol- uh, a working hol- a working holic? What is that? A workaholic? Wow. So, I'm definitely a workaholic. Uh, I commit to way too many things at once, and that's because, like, first of all, I love doing all the things I do. So I don't really want to cut any of them out, um, but I do know that my perfectionism and my need to always be busy goes with my anxiety. I'm very well aware. Anytime that I stop moving, I always panic, worried that I'm not doing enough, that I'm not as successful as I need to be. My anxiety is very existential. It's very much related to, like, is anything I'm doing mattering? Like, am I going to get to where I need to be? What's the meaning of life? Like, in that, really, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good at all, because sometimes I'll just be laughing with my friends, and then I'll be like, well, I'll be dead one day. And it's just this thought that I can't control. I don't want it, but it's there. So the way that I cope is by staying busy. I mean, that's why I became a Twitch streamer. That's why I started doing podcasts. That's why I started making YouTube videos is because in quarantine, I had so much excess anxiety energy that I was going to start putting it towards other stuff. And this other stuff happened to be internet endeavors. (laughs) And usually school takes up most of the time. Um, problem with that is one of the physical symptoms that I still deal with with my autoimmune disease is um sleeping for 16 hours sometimes and usually when i was in school i would only do this hard reset 16 hours of sleep when i was like in a show and i was also taking ap classes like i had to be really stressed out and so um a weekend would come i'd finish my show and then i would sleep for 16 hours now in quarantine i have to have like a daily nap like i feel like a child and then i also have to um Make sure I get eight hours of sleep, because no matter what, my body will force me to. Because that's like the one time where my body doesn't have to be working. I've noticed that my 16-hour hard resets come more frequently in quarantine. Like, they come a lot more frequently. Usually they were a, I don't know, four-time-a-year thing. Like, once every three months, I would just break down. But now, um, there's at least one day a month where I have to sleep for 16 hours. And that's because my autoimmune disease, one of the very key characteristics is fatigue. General, like, overall, whole body fatigue. And I I know that, and I'm aware of that, and it's happened ever since I was little. Like, I used to not do traditional school, where you get three months off in the summer. I used to do, what is it, year-round? Year-round school, where you get, like, 
a couple weeks off at a time. And it's because by the time I was burning out, my like I would go on break. And so I'd have three weeks to do a hard reset and then I'd be good to go. And that was, and for those of you who don't know what year-round school is, what it does is it breaks it up into, like, you have six weeks of school and then four weeks of a break and then six weeks of school and then four weeks of a break. And you get, like, a slightly longer summer, but overall, like, you're basically going to school all year round. Wow, isn't that crazy? (laughs) So, now we're going to talk about coping mechanisms. So, mine's definitely work. Um, Don't do that, I will say. It is important to find a sense of community, but that doesn't mean isolate yourself and start 14 passion projects, which is what I've done. Um, I do have a support group that I help to run, and that is really amazing for me because not only does it let me kind of vent, but it lets me help other people, and that makes me feel better with my anxiety. You need to talk to people. I'm so sorry, but you need to do it. Like, you need to find a trusted human being to talk to. For those of you who know me in real life, You can talk to me anytime that you are feeling anxious, because if you listen to my podcast, you're automatically one of my most favorite people. You get a little sticker and a badge. If I don't know you, but you say, hey, I listen to your podcast, guess what? I'm probably still going to hear you out, because that's important to me. Um, What other stuff? Good, good, um, uh, Good emotional coping strategies. Laughing, if you like, which I know sounds so stupid, but like... If you laugh, it helps your body create the um, the necessary neuro- neurotransmitters to combat anxiety, so it's a very good thing. Emotional coping strategies, try some mindfulness, try some, some meditation. I personally never bought into it till I started doing it, and now I meditate at least every day. Or every other day if I'm really busy in a week. But um, it's actually really nice because it forces me to tell my anxiety to shut up. Something that you need to do. Um, you need to learn your triggers. And I hate that the word trigger has become what it has on the internet. Because they, they, like, triggers genuinely are a thing. And again, working in a mental health field and knowing how triggers are perceived sucks. There's no way around it. It just sucks. So when you learn your triggers, you can try to either avoid or, like, prepare yourself for the impact of a situation or a person or a whatever. Personally, if my trigger is a person, which it has been in the past, I just throw the whole person away. I just get rid of them. And to the one person who I've actually had to do that with and completely cut them out of my life forever, they know who they are. And that is their problem. The next thing is practicing acceptance. You are not your anxiety, which I know sucks, and I know that so many of these coping mechanisms sound so stupid because when you're in the middle of being anxious, it doesn't seem like any of these things are going to help. But if you remember that you are so much more than the hand of cards you are dealt, you are so much more than the fear that your mind creates for you, you are so much more than the worry that you've always had to harbor that will make you feel so much better. Another thing, this is a little bit of dating advice for anyone who listens to my podcast, if it, boy, girl, non-binary, you know, just whatever. If you ever date a person and you say, hey, I have anxiety, I need you to be here for me, even when it gets bad, and they, in the moment, they say yes, and then that bad moment comes and they don't look out for you, or they don't care, or they tell you that you are being too much, leave. Because the worst relationships I've ever been in 
have been those ones. My last boyfriend actually was sick. He got fed up with me. He used to yell at me when I was anxious. Guess what? The anxiety got worse because being yelled at for being anxious generally will make you more anxious. He would get so pissed at me. So pissed for, at me for like being <laughs> like for being worried about him, about other things, because he would do dangerous things that I personally disagreed with. And I told him, like, hey, you can't, you can't, you can't sit here and do these things, watch me get anxious, and then get mad at me for, A, having, a, having an anxiety disorder, and B, caring about your well-being. So if there's anyone who ever, ever looks at you and says that your mental health is too much to deal with, they do not love you enough to deal with every piece of who you are, and you throw them away. I wasted a year of my life in my last relationship when I could have been happy and doing things for myself, but instead, I was living under a very mean-spirited person who in the beginning wasn't a bad person, but chose to become that. And they chose to do things that they knew would hurt me in a very, very deep and fundamental way. And that's, it's been a year since I've dated them or anyone else. I, I have so much hope for all my listeners and hope that you guys do a little bit better. It's just that I get the double whammy of having anxiety and then also possibly dying at any moment from the autoimmune disease. So yeah, it's a, it, my situation's a tad more, uh, complex but you know i hope that you like the episode we're nearing the end of the time so you know have a good day eat some eat something nice drink some water brush your teeth head just you know chill if you're one of my friends in my in real life and i miss you dearly i love you if you are one of my internet friends who i haven't seen in real life i love you too and if you're a random person especially my one listener in rio de janeiro brazil i love you too so goodbye guys have a good day and i'll catch you in the next one